This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. California has a housing problem with the median price of a home at around $570,000, according to the California Association of Realtors. There just aren't enough affordable homes available. Job growth in the state's economy are going strong, but the real estate market is softening. Governor Gavin Newsom has promised to increase the supply of affordable housing, setting a goal of 3.5 million new homes by 2025. But this doesn't necessarily help renters who can't afford to buy a home. Businesses in some areas are now finding it hard to recruit and to keep employees because of this issue, and some companies are even relocating to other states. So how can this be addressed for the state? Todd Sinai joining us here in studio, professor of real estate and business economics here at the Wharton School. Also joining us on the phone, Susan Wachter, professor of real estate and finance, as well as co-director of the Penn Institute for Urban Research here at the Wharton School. And also joining us, Billy Riggs, assistant professor in the management school at the University of San Francisco. Todd, great seeing you again. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Th- thank you, Susan. Great to have you back, Billy. Thank you as well. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. Uh, so, Susan, this ends up, I, I think, with all of the factors at play here being a significant concern potentially for the state's economy and for the new governor, Gavin Newsom. Yes, the new governor is in a very difficult place because the taxes are high in California as well. So how do you bring more resources to bear for affordable housing? And most housing in California is simply not affordable. Billy, you're there in San Francisco. Give us your thoughts. Uh, yeah, we have, we have a lot of talent, beautiful climate, amenities, uh, but it's just really expensive to live here. Um, so, um, yeah, it's a problem, but I, I think it's also it's been a problem since the 1890s gold rush. So um, <laughs> I, I hold hope that it's, it's solvable. Todd? Uh, well, I agree with that. I mean, if you look back through history, what you see is that, you know, every decade for, you know, certainly since the post-war period, uh, the Bay Area, especially in California in general, just more expensive than the rest of the country. Uh, hopefully that affordability shows up through higher wages as part of uh, the way that you get people to be afforded real estate in a, in a state like that. Right, because the idea of affordable housing is considered, I think, lower cost in general than than the norms across a majority of, of a particular area. And in California, with prices the way they are right now, it may be uh, it may be hard to have a consideration of having, quote, unquote, affordable housing. I mean, the people who can afford to live in California are the people who either have a lot of money or who are willing to work a tremendous amount to earn a lot just to be able to be there, or people who are willing to spend a larger fraction of their income in order to be there. But it takes, it takes something like that to be able to afford to live in California. Susan, your thoughts? Yeah, and it takes uh, often several members of the family working to afford what would be minimally adequate elsewhere uh, in terms of rental housing. What's particularly um, hard is elsewhere the family formation period is a period often of home ownership where you then can have stability and uh, be protected against rent increases. But, of course, getting on that home ownership ladder is very difficult if rent is high and you can't save, and that characterizes the market. Billy, I guess, what is the expectation then of what Governor Newsom is trying to do? Uh, he's obviously talking to a variety of mayors across the state. Uh, I believe there's an issue with Huntington Beach, uh, which is near Los Angeles right now as well. I would think it, it has to be a variety of challenges for the governor to be able to try and put together a plan that can, in fact, uh, can affect the entire state. 
Yeah, I mean, I, to be honest, to be the part of the issue is housing in the right location, uh, and it's really difficult to, to thread this needle um, in a way that that really gives the supply bump uh, that that is needed. And um, you know, I think uh, Todd mentioned wages. I mean, uh, we have to be cautious with that lever. Um, just in- increasing wages has the the tendency, and, and we've seen this in a couple of case studies throughout the Bay Area or in the Bay Area where. Um, companies are willing to pay more, uh, more wages to allow people more choice in terms of housing, uh, but that's led to um, spot increases in the market. So, um, and I think the Governor Newsom right now, his his key concern is is on supply and working with mayors, working with uh, um, finance entities, uh, and boosting supply. And, and uh, I think we're also seeing a theme of partnership and partnership across sectors, uh, whether or not it's public private or uh, philanthropic. But he also would have to work with the builders as well in the state of California. And how, how would they potentially react to something like that? Yeah, I think the builders are going to be open to that. I mean, I think, think we're seeing, um, uh, we're seeing uh, an openness to engage in that type of dialogue. Um, I think there's um, even some exploration and in, in recent years, we've seen some exploration of, um, uh, modular into a prefab uh, units that can be uh, constructed a little more quickly, as well as an ability to explore different typologies. So uh, smaller units that actually meet um, different uh, housing formation types, so uh, different uh, different types of, of families that may be more common in today's society. Susan? Well, I think, Billy, you just put your finger on it. That's the way forward. Uh, if possible, at scale. But I, I think it, the, mo- the problem right now is it's not at scale. But just to expand on what Billy was saying, partnerships that bring new technologies, modular, uh, in high-density form uh, near transit, and if mayors are willing to make the land available and if they're, uh, if they're, um, if they have support from their constituents for this, that is a way for it. it doesn't have to be throughout California. It just needs to be a near mar- markets where there are where there is job opportunity. Todd, um, yeah, I, I agree. I think the difficulty that California faces is that the overhang of excess demand to live there is so large that the scale, as Susan was saying, that you would need to accomplish to make a real dent in this is really quite high. And uh, one way to do this is to have better technologies to allow developers to build at cheaper cost. But then, you know, as Billy said, to a degree that just shows up in higher profits for developers rather than a lower price for people unless you really move the needle on supply uh, or if you do uh, controls on just the, the uh, rent that can be charged. 844-942-7866 is the number if you would like to join in with your comments or questions. Joined here in studio by Todd Sinai of the Wharton School. Also on the phone with Susan Wachter of the Wharton School and Billy Riggs of the University of San Francisco. 844-942-7866. Or if you're not able to make it to your phone, you can send us a comment on Twitter at BizRadio132 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21, talking about some of the issues of housing out in the state of California. Now, Billy, Susan mentioned the, the rental market. How is that being impacted specifically because of, of some of these issues of not being able to buy a home in some locations in California? Well, I, I think that goes back to really what Todd said. Um, there's there's really no incentive uh, right now for builders to, to build rental stock and or to build rental stock that is not um, uh, what we call, you know, a luxury unit. So, you know, a a three to five thousand dollar studio or one bedroom and uh that's a unit that's not affordable for uh 
teachers like me, for workers, for small uh, families with one income. So you really have to think about um, your income classifications, you know, our, our traditional models of of looking at affordability, we, we typically look at a 40%, uh, an 80%, um, 80% of median income as being affordable, but that doesn't apply in, in, in California where median income is 101,000. And at, you know, at ratios currently, uh, you just can't make those um, work. Um, and I think there's, I just mentioned one more thing. I think there's an elephant in the room uh, in terms of a policy in that we have a Prop 13 in, in California, which is, is fixed property taxes for many uh, for many generations and since the 1970s. And um, it's created great wealth disparity and generational wealth disparity. And and I think that's part of what we're seeing, too, is that the, the people of California are, are are the governor's enemy in this case, that there's there's great wealth of disparity between uh, older uh, adults who don't want to see the state change and, and younger adults who don't want to be able to stay in the state. You know, Susan, it's interesting that, that, that uh, Billy mentions uh, the the lack of incentive for builders to want to build this, uh, you know, rental type of, of housing, because I know in a lot of locations around the United States right now, that is kind of the impetus for builders uh, to build a lot of these multifamily units that can house, you know, 200, 300 people at, at a location. Yes. And part of the hesitancy of builders is where's the land? How do they get into the market and how do they get into a price point that's affordable? So that's a way forward if there are mayors who come to the table and say, hey, we're a market for housing that could be affordable to uh, middle-income uh, middle working families, albeit perhaps two or three incomes coming from that household. But, but we can do it, and we want that product. I'm not sure that uh, there will be mayors at scale, but if there can be, that's a way forward. Billy, are, are there even those types of, let's just take the Bay Area, for example, are, are there even some of those locations there in in the Bay Area where there is the ability to try and, and do some more building right now? Well, I think that um, there are locations that the issue is that um, there's fragmentation and they're, they're controlled by different people. I mean, we have, for the longest time, it took us... Um, it was very complicated for us to be able to build on our, our transit station parking lot. Um, uh, for a variety of reasons, we, we developed a, basically a park-and-ride regional rail system uh, called BART. Um, and so I think that particularly if we're able to get uh, creative with our use of land that's controlled by public entities, uh, we could have a wide-scale um, building boom that could meet a lot of this need. And that's, that's everything from school district sites to uh, parking lots on tra- along along transit to um, you know city lots that are underutilized. Susan, your thoughts? That's exactly it. That's bingo. That's the point. Uh, and then Billy uh, underlines that this is fragmented, so there needs to way be a way. First of all, identifying that this is not only the problem but the potential solution. This fragmentation that is overcoming it, and the governor can be well positioned to perhaps bring that to to bear. So. Hopefully, this uh, insight can be implemented. Todd? You know, I can't underscore enough how huge uh, this issue is uh, and how heavy a lift this issue is. It's not an issue of this year. It's not an issue of the last three years. It's not an issue of the last decade. It's really, you know, as Billy said, an issue since the gold rush. And even if you solve the housing problem in the immediate short term, five years from now, 
the growth in the number of people who are going to need jobs in California is going to, again, present a problem. Right. right? So it needs to be a much more holistic uh, uh, approach if, if, if we can uh, have that kind of aspiration that needs to include not just making land available for higher density workforce kind of housing, but also an integrated transportation kind of idea. Because one of the issues is that in the places where the jobs are, that's where the real estate is more expensive. In the commutes in California to get there are just yeah. so long that people can't spread out. And that is a transportation issue. The way to make more land available is to have it be easier access to get from those places into the cities where the jobs are. And that, I guess, to a degree, would that have to bring in the potential of the use of something like eminent domain to be able to find these types of, of, of parcels of land to be able to build that type of infrastructure? Oh, that's not a question that's okay. best directed to me. Okay. All right. Susan? Well, yes, absolutely. But that's what's the potential uh, uh, power of going with public entities. Uh, public entities have uh, public – if, in fact, they are aligned in terms of incentives for getting this done – the public entities, the eminent domain issue is less of a problem, presumably. But nonetheless, behind all of this is our constituents supportive, because there will need to be change along many lines to solve this problem in a holistic way uh, and bring in new development, not just for housing, but for transit. Billy, how much then also do some of the companies that are there in California need to be part of this solution because of the fact is we kind of laid out at the outset, they are being impacted by this as well, whether it be the retention of employees working at their companies or the inability to have people moving to California because of the cost of living there? Yeah, without question, um, they need to be, and I, I would, I would just kind of push back and say they are. Um, you know, we, we, for the last couple of months, and, and, and Susan, you and I have been talking about Amazon, and one of the critiques we have was we didn't feel like they were a great partner in New York. We didn't feel like they were a great partner in Crystal City, and I think what we're seeing um, is that in the Bay Area, companies really want to see, want to, they want to stay here, they want to see change, they want to see. Um, be able to house particularly some of their service employees, some of their junior employees, a, you know, a junior engineer making $120,000, where do they live? Um, do they have a, an hour and a half commute? And I, I do think that we're, we're seeing companies like Genentech, like Google, like Facebook, um, really come up and, and say, hey, we're willing to contribute to this issue. Um, can we partner with you, state? Can we partner with you, um, you know, cities uh, where they know they, they, they want to stay? Um, in my mind, the question is something that, we, that Susan kind of mentioned very quickly and that it's important to tease out. It's that many times the, the individual residents and the constituents in, in these cities uh, end up being the, the own worst, worst enemy for their, their, their local economy uh, in that they're, they infight and they, uh, they want um, different things. So this goes back to the generational wealth disparity that – you know, there's large disagreement amongst the California populace uh, in terms of those that favor no growth, uh, slow growth, and pro-growth. And I think that we're going to have to suss some of that out in our kind of representative democracy, and somebody's going to have to make some hard decisions. And I think you're right in alluding that that can happen at the gubernatorial level, uh, where, you know, we can have some statements that, that really dictate um, that we are open and want to incentivize um, growth. Susan? Yes, <laughs> I can only say yes to that. 
Billy, you're, Billy's on the ground there. I don't know what the conversation is in California, but it does mean partnerships, political partnerships yeah. uh, for affordable housing, not just for working class, because it's beyond that in California. So it will need to bring in a majority of Californians for this very important project. 844-942-7866 is the number if you would like to join in with your comments or questions. Joined here in studio by Todd Sinai of the Wharton School. Also on the phone with Susan Walker of the Wharton School and Billy Riggs of the University of San Francisco. 844-942-7866. Or if you're not able to make it to your phone, you can send us a comment on Twitter at BizRadio132 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. So, Billy, then what are the conversations? I mean, we talk about the at the state level. But what are the conversations there in the Bay Area at the city level uh, with the mayors of of places like San Jose and and San Francisco and and some of the other towns in that region? Yeah, um, well, I'd say that, you know, our large superstar cities, uh, our San San Francisco, our San Jose, uh, our Oakland, um, are really um, uh, open to this idea. Um, They're, um, from a political standpoint, they are um, championing uh, housing production, and they, they really want to do that. Uh, the question, and I think that the statement raised on the ground, is that um, cities speak with multiple voices, um, that there are, um, uh, in kind of a, a microcosm of the, of the infighting we see in, in, our, in our U.S. politics, we do see um, different constituencies that are very vocal uh, and that don't want change. Um, California has long been a state um, that... Um, is composed of, of villages and small towns, and um, the identity of you know San Francisco as a small quaint town really has to change. The identity of, of the Silicon Valley as a as a ranch or as a um, as an orchard really is something that has to evolve. And I think that's difficult for many people that uh, have lived here um, since the dawn of the semiconductor and. Um, these quaint little villages that they they don't want to see building over four stories or building over two stories. Todd? Uh, so I am not on the ground in San Francisco, uh, but even I am sympathetic to a degree to to what does it mean to change the identity of an area, right? There's no inherent special sauce in San Francisco that has made it this magnet, right? Um, yeah. There's nothing in the water. People went there for the gold rush, as Billy said. And so it kind of raises a question of what is it that makes San Francisco the attractive place that all these people want to be? And to a degree, it might just be that it's bootstrapped by having a lot of talented people there and the firms follow and the firms are there and therefore the workers follow. But how much of that is tied up into the identity and the location is really hard to say. And once you know, I am I'm sympathetic to people being, especially residents, being a little risk averse with with playing with that and say if we're going to change the identity into something sure. that historically has not been, because you know, God knows what what can can make it flip. Um, so I think that that's, that, that's tricky. Um, I would like to come back to the issue of, of the role that companies can, can play here because truly uh, affordable workforce housing is really supporting the companies. Right. right. To the degree, companies can and historically have provided affordable workforce houses f- uh, for, their, for their employees. Right? So nothing keeps a firm in San Francisco from buying land as long as land is available and making it available for their employees at a below market rate level as a way of having employees being able to afford to live in a good location in a particular city in California. It's just something that we haven't seen done 
uh, I think a lot, you know, in in this country, and and maybe it's it's the way that that some companies need to think about this moving forward. I mean, I think we've seen it in particular areas. You see it in uh, especially expensive small resort areas, where it is extremely expensive for the labor force to to live. Um, and we just have to wrap our heads around that entire metropolitan areas are becoming like that. Yeah. And maybe we just need to th- you know, rethink what the approaches are. Susan, how do you think we we need to start to maybe change our thinking in this area? Well, it does involve transit because although uh, companies can purchase land if land is available, they're going to need permissions to do infrastructure and do the uh, major transit connections. Uh, unless they're, in fact, going to be in some kind of outlying area where they're an island to themselves, which is not part of the job connectivity desirability uh, that that draws uh, workers. So I, I guess um, there needs to be a, I think, n- not just a California answer. It needs to be a federal answer as well. There needs to be encouragement to uh, producing affordable housing. And by affordable housing, I mean for workforce housing, for for workforce and for companies. There needs to be an emphasis on that throughout, actually, the nation connected to transit. Because California is a harbinger here. It's not, it is an outlier, but it's also a harbinger. So if we can encourage the good examples of where this is being done in a positive way in California and elsewhere, then governments can learn, companies can learn, and builders can learn where, in fact, and how they can develop partnerships to provide housing. Billy, your thoughts? Um, I could not agree more about the transit piece. Um, we need to, uh, you know, it, the, the fact that we're going to densify San Francisco or Palo Alto overnight is, um, is uh, we, we aren't going to do that, um, but we can start laying the groundwork with a really dense uh, rail network um, that is that has appropriate and I would say that has a technology um, supported last mile solutions. Um, at the same time, uh, I think that even our civic entities can start to explore um, production of housing, and that's everything from school districts for teachers to uh, local cities for um, city employees. Uh, and then, uh, you know, finally, I, I, I agree with Susan that the, this is a harbinger. It's, it may be Austin, uh, Chicago, um, or, or Nashville that we're talking about next in terms of uh, gentrification and pressure on job growth. And I think that we do need to, uh, you know, solving this problem is uh, is not only a problem of San Francisco, it's a problem of, of growth in the nation. Todd? Uh, so I agree that there's a national issue here, and uh, I think that one of – first off, I think it's clear from the research that San Francisco and uh, uh, California is underhoused from an economic perspective. Right. There's productivity loss in aggregate economy by not, by not having more uh, affordable housing in those areas. Having said that, I think one thing we need are more San Francisco's and more LA's in the country. And one of the things that the price mechanism does is it forces some companies who are unwilling to or unable or uh, it's unnecessary to pay up to be in the in California to bootstrap some other cities that do need uh, high talent jobs, uh, high talent industries, right. and create some other centers. Great having you all with us. Uh, Todd, great seeing you. Thanks for coming in. Thank you, Dan. Susan, Billy, thank you for your time on the phone, uh, and we will talk to you again soon. Thank you both. Appreciate it.
Thank you so much. Thank you. Todd Sinai here in studio from the Wharton School on the phone. Susan Wachter of the Wharton School and Billy Riggs at the University of San Francisco. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.